Welcome to Financial Education for the Nation. My name is Warren Shute and I'm here today with the delightful Paul. How are you, Paul? I am great. Thanks, Warren. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm, I'm very good, actually. Um, I wasn't yesterday. Um, I, I, I was not in the right place for some reason. We all have those um, times in our life. And I thought I wanted to share this because um, everyone who probably sees this and I feel very upbeat and he's like, and nine out of ten days I am. But yesterday I had a very, very long car journey. I don't know whether it's something I ate. Uh, my mind wasn't there. I just wasn't in the zone. Uh, and it was really sad, really, because I had a very important meeting. Um, and um, yeah, but hey, it was one of those days. And today I've woken up after a really good night's sleep. I normally switch the uh, light off at around about 11 o'clock. I turned it off at 10.30, got an extra half an hour sleep. And I feel so much better today. Drank a lot more water. Honestly, I tell you, sleep, water, nutrition, it really sort of sorts the head out. So I feel great. But that's not why the viewers are listening in on the podcast or on YouTube, <laughs> are they? They're not worried about how I'm feeling. They want to know what they can get out of this. So uh, what have we got in store for them today, Paul? Well, as long as you're back on form for them, that's all that matters. So today we've, we've had another question, and this one's for the parents out there, I guess, because it's yeah. relating to saving for our kids. Yep. and how we can help set them up. We had a question from someone with, I think it was three children, quite right. young ages as well. And um, yeah, so looking for a bit of advice on, on what to do to, to give them a platform, I guess. Okay, perfect. I'm particularly passionate about financial education for children. I don't think we can just do children, we have to do adults as well. But I think, you know, if we sort out the younger generation, if we get them to understand money better as the generations go on we might become a nation of savers and investors as opposed to a nation of borrowers um you know trying to get the personal debt levels down if default rates were at a peak in quarter one you know it is a worrying thing so i really want to make be passionate about getting savers as a nation hence financial education nation, and particularly for children so okay the question was uh, I want to save some money for my three children, uh, six years, um, I think it was four years and six months, okay? What do I do? What do I do? What, what's the best wrapper for it? What's the best thing to do? Um, before you do anything in life, okay, before you go into a meeting, before you start an investment, before you get to, what's your outcome? What's your outcome? Because having a conscious purpose of an outcome is going to direct um, how things go. You know, because you are more, you, you have the thing on your mind called the reticular activating system, the RAS, okay? And that basically tells your brain what to focus on. So if you tell your brain, okay, I want to focus on this, therefore you're going to notice things that are more attuned to that and make decisions that move towards that. Uh, a, good, a good example of this is if you've ever gone into a shop and saw a shirt or a, a dress and it's a particular color or a particular type, you go, I really like that not seen anyone with that one before, you then leave the shop and you walk around the shopping mall or around the street and you notice more shirts or more dresses of that nature. So when I say to people, what's your outcome? It's not to just have a pattern. It's so you then focus your mind to say, right, why am I doing this? So why do you want to save for your children? It sounds a bizarre. Because I have to, because I should do, isn't a compelling reason enough to do it. You've really got to say, well, okay, let's have a look at their journey, their timeline before they become financially and what things might they want help with. So if we go through schooling, typically there's nothing major about schooling. 
I would, and please correct me, Paul, if you think it's something else, I would say the first major purchase possibly is either a car, stroke car insurance, or going off to university. I would, yeah, I think those are the first big ones that come up. I would yeah. say they were the first big ones, um, really. And then soon after that, you've probably got either um, gap year travel, going off to do some travel around the world or something. Um, and then after that, you've got house purchase, stroke, wedding, you know, costs. Yeah. So, that, so when I fit, talk to my clients, I, I look at a timeline for them and I would say, okay, we've got potentially um, a, a car purchase you know, going off to university, costs of that involved. So how are we going to plan for that? Uh, we've potentially then got a gap year. You know, is it something you want to encourage? Do we have to plan financially for that? Um, and then we've got the um, house purchase. You know, how are we going to plan for that? Is that something you want to be involved with? So keeping this conversation generic, you've got to then look at, okay, when are we going to look at access of that money and what investment type would be most appropriate? Yeah. So first thing is, what's my outcome? And, and they would be the, the sort of saving for my son or daughter to go to university, saving for my son or daughter to buy a safe car. You know, one of the conversations we have with our clients when they say they don't want to uh, buy a car, they, I didn't buy, my parents didn't buy my car, I'll, I'll let them buy their own car. We sort of mentioned to them and say, well, are you happy for your son or daughter to go home with their possibly drunken or intoxicated partner after a party in their car? Or would you prefer them to drive their own car? Um, you know, so often not, it's, it's quite nice for you to be able to help children out with these sorts of things. Um, and then looking at other events in the future. So what's the outcome? Then we look at what account or wrapper would be most suitable. So after knowing what we want to do with the money, what account or wrapper do we want to hold in? So an account or a wrapper is the same thing. And there are different types of things that, that you could do for your children. So one of the things you could do is just use a straightforward bank account. And obviously that account could be in your own name or it could be in the child's name. Um, you could do an ISA in your name. You could do a junior ISA in your child's name. Um, you could do a stock market account. Uh, it's called a general investment account in your own name or your child's name. Um, or you could do a pension in your child's name. Okay. And each of them have got different benefits and disadvantages so once we've looked at the, the sort of different wrappers that are available, uh, we sort of judge on when do we want access to the money? And we talk about this every time we talk about investing um, five years or less, you know, five, seven years or less, it's cash. So if your child is a teen and you're looking to save for a, help them out with a car or car insurance or going off to university, it's basically a savings account, okay, a, a, a bank account or a bill side account or national savings and investment, something deposit-based. If we've got five, seven years or more, then the returns offered by the stock market are there for the taker, and they really should be taken on board. We're looking roughly about 1% return on the deposit. We should be looking sort of 5% plus from a stock market-based investment, okay? When I say 5% plus, it's 5% is the lower, equity range and as we get more equity exposure historically the world stock markets uh, have averaged around about nine percent okay so if we're looking for longer term uh, money five years or more we can then sort of look at investment based and then obviously if we're looking at retirement um we, you know for their retirement and this is a great one for grandparents it's almost like leaving a legacy for the child we can look at pensions 
So if you're a grandparent listening and you think, do you know what, I'll be gone and dusted before my grandchildren are up and around enjoying themselves. One thing they'll never forget is the pension that you started for them. So you as a grandparent could start a pension for your child. You can save up to £240 a month in the account for them. Um, they can't get it until their pension age, which is likely to be sort of nearer 58 um, at the time. It's 55 at the moment, but it's, it's linking to the state retirement age. So it'll be 58, maybe 59. So you know it's going to be for their later years. Okay. Um, and we've covered this before. A fairly modest amount, £10 a week, saved from birth until sort of in their 18s or so, um, and then left. Okay. So no more money is added. Um, returning 9% a year. It's going to give them over a million pounds um, when they get to that age. Okay, so never underestimate the the, uh, the power of compound growth. Um, over time, it's really your friend, uh, and that's why we encourage people to use the stock market for longer term investments. So they're the range of accounts, cash deposit savings accounts, actual savings, ISAs, whether it's a cash ISA or a stocks and shares ISA, and that can be the same in the child's name as a junior ISA, um, or a general account, or a pension. Um, what's, the, what's the advantage of the junior ISA? Why, why does that come in? The, the junior ISA, um, the main advantage really for the junior ISA is if you as a parent are using your ISA allowance, and you as a parent have investable money that generally uses your capital gains tax allowance every year, there's another tax-free wrapper where you can wrap up just over £4,000, £4,368, I think it is, um, in the child's name. Now, that £4,000, £4,300 or so, can be held in a cash or stocks and shares or a combination of the both. So you can have some of the money with a high street bank and a cash ISA, and you have some of the money um, in a stocks and shares ISA. The thing I would say really is, most people, this is a generalization, most people are saving in a junior ISA for a period of time which is five years or more. So why would you have it in cash? Um, but it's the most common that I see because it's the easiest one for people to open up. They go to their bank, they deposit some money, the cashier might have a leaflet on the side, say junior ISA for children. Oh, I'll fill that in, I'll open one up for my children, I'll get it done that way. But really, think, really being responsible um, for your children, if you're looking at five years or more, put it into the stock market. Now, if your children were born, I think it was 2011 or before, they'll probably have a child trust fund, which was the precursor, the original junior ISA. Uh, okay. Child trust funds can now be transferred into junior ISAs, and they then enjoy the uh, rules of a junior ISA. Child trust funds were excellent. Some some. Um, older children would even got a voucher from the government to kickstart their child trust funds. Um, and you know, this might have been the case for you and you might be forgotten where they are. Um, so it's a bit of research, a bit of digging around. There's not a register that I'm aware of um, that you can go to. So it'd be a case of going back to um, companies you thought you had it with. But child trust funds were the original um, junior ISA. They can now be moved into a junior ISA and you can save £4,368 for your child. The downside... For me, around a junior ISA, is it age 18 for your child, it then becomes the property of your child. Now, as parents, we do the best we can for our children. We teach them good values and manners and rules and everything else. However, 
we can't control our children and we don't know how responsible they will be at 18. So the downside of a junior ICER is it then becomes their ownership. So if you've got a wonderfully big junior ICER that you want them to use through university, but actually they got other plans. They want to go and blow it on a trip around the world and go traveling with their friends or buy a flash car or, or whatever's in their mind. There's nothing much you can do about it legally. Okay, so that's the downside. I'm not saying don't use them, um, but use them with caution, use them with your eyes open. Um, and again, depending on where your, your, what your outcome is. Most people don't use their capital gains tax allowance. I think it's around about £12,000, um, which basically means you can make that much gain in a year without paying any tax. So you've got to have a portfolio of over, a, probably I'll say about £150,000 um, invested outside devices and everything else to start using that every year. And that would be a pretty aggressive investment portfolio as well. Um, and that would be per person. So if you're a couple, married couple, that'd be over £300,000. Most people watching this, there will be, I know there are some people who watch this that um, that does apply to, but most people who listen to this um, don't have that. And therefore, using a general account in your own name um, gives you an element of control um, over the money. Okay. Um, so they're, they're the wrappers, they're the accounts. Less than five years, go and find a really good high street deposit account. If you're saving regularly, there's some regular saver um, high interest um, bonuses you can get from some of the brand names that are on the street. Um, if you're on the Money Planner uh, mailing list, if you're not uh, sign up for it, every week we send out a list of the best top savings accounts and stuff. So you can just click on there and get the, the best savings rates that are available. Um, if you're looking five years or more, um, check out junior writers, check out general accounts, but look at a stock market based investor. And you can go to lexo.co.uk um, for that as well. So there's a whole range of um, uh, dimensional funds on their portfolios that what I use with my wealth management clients as well uh, in Lexington. Um, and, and then we start coming on to the investment, you know, how much equity risk we take with the money um, over time. Yeah, and is that any different when we're talking about the the money being being for our kids as opposed to for ourselves? Should we be thinking any differently, or should we be sticking with our personal risk reward? It's it's a it's a really good question, actually. Um, you should be thinking how will you react in this instance. So when we look at our risk profile, one of the one of the um, uh, Feedback, one of the feedback, I was going to say grunt, uh, gripes is a word, but one of the feedbacks I get from some clients is, you know, you've done this risk profile, but this is general. I'm talking about this money specifically. And that is true, but we are only one person. Our emotions aren't segmented in our brain. We only have one set of emotions. We do feel differently about different things, but generally speaking, if the world stock market crashes, we're not going to be pleased or happy that our child's junior ISAs crashed in value or that our long-term investment money's crashed in value um, and our short-term money uh, is, is remain fixed. It does affect our emotions and that's why we do a, the risk profile is for you as an individual because it's your emotions. Now that doesn't mean that you can't take different levels of risk for different pots or accounts. Um, and we certainly see clients take higher risk for their children's money, particularly when they do children's ISAs, because it's something that I generally try to encourage them to do at least 100 cents, not at least, but 100 cents stock market uh, for that money. Because if you're a grandparent setting up a pension for your grandchildren who are just born, and this reader's question, uh, four, uh, six, four in six months, hey, do a pension. 100 percent stock market, average 9% return a year. 
wow, they're going to do fantastic returns over the long term. And then when they get in there 50, so 50 years away, they can start worrying about reducing the risk of that portfolio because they're going to be retiring in 10 plus years time. Um, but you would be... Right, that's important. You're, you're happy with that greater risk because there's the time there to make up for the, the inevitable peaks and troughs yeah. along the way. It, do you know what? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, certain of this, but I don't think there's a period in time where over 50 years or 20 years, the stock market hasn't significantly outperformed cash and bonds and everything else. Um, I would be fairly confident with that statement, although I've not looked at the figures, um, you know, prepared for it. Um, and globally diversify. You know, over time, we don't know which market's going to do better than other markets. It's very important that you get exposure to the UK because we live here, but it's equally as important to get good exposure to the US because it's 51, 52% of the world stock market. You know, look at the companies out there, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, you know, they are, you would deem them almost as British companies because we use them in the UK. Um, but that goes all over the world. And same with emerging markets, but don't be um, sidetracked to think, okay, the Americas are going to be the place where all the growth is going to be because they go through recessions and, you know, they have challenges of their own, particularly with China. Um, you know, I, I've had many conversations with clients talking them out maybe 10 years ago now, talking about putting half the money in emerging markets because everyone said that's where the growth's going to be. Yeah, there was great growth there, but when does the growth slow? We don't know. Therefore, that's why we have to globally diversify. And the Lexo portfolios do that. I'm not saying you only have to use Lexo, but wherever you go, just make sure you globally diversify. Try and use index funds where you can, whether it's in emerging markets or whether it's in developed markets. Research has proven that they generally do a better return for you over time partly because the fees are lower, um, and um, just sit tight during the, the tough times and stuff. Okay, great. Um, all right, well, I think that, that gives a, a, a nice strong answer to the, to the question of the kids. And, and as you say, I guess wrapping up, it's, it's about what we think they want that money for and what we want to help them with. And, and coming yeah. back to your original point, outcome, 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 what, what do we want to use this money for? Yeah, let's try and be as clear as we can. What do we use the money for? Five years or less, cash national savings, possibly a bank account in your own name, nice and safe. Um, five years or more, let's start introducing the stock market to that. And when we start going sort of 10 years or more, we can certainly go, I would suggest 100% stock market or there is damn it, but expect that money to fall or retrace in value over your experience, over your journey. Don't worry about it. Don't second guess the portfolio. Just keep rebalancing, bring it back into line and hold that investment over time. And you will be rewarded as an investor. And as you get closer to the period when you need access to it, just start slowly reducing your exposure to the stock market. So eventually you're down near cash uh, when you actually need to withdraw the full funds. All right, great stuff. Thanks great. very much, Warren. Super. You take care. Have a lovely weekend, Paul, and I will see you next week. Um, everyone who's listening, please make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Um, make sure you sign up for the Money Planner. It's a weekly update sent straight into your inbox where it tells you all the information that we're talking about, gives you hints and tips about how to manage your uh, money over the years ahead. Um, and also gives you links to the best interest rates on deposit accounts and credit cards. And as always, if you have any questions for me, uh, please make sure you send them in. You can either email me at warren at warrenshoot.com or as many of you do, just drop me a message via social media. Thanks very much and I'll see you next week.